Hey everyone, welcome to Going in Circles. This is the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of the Going in Circles podcast. And my co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us in just a few minutes. It's kind of a quiet Monday. Not a whole lot going on. Uh, I'm sure as soon as Barry gets here, uh, you know, we'll find a couple things to talk about. We'll be back in a second. Are you there, Mr. Spears? I am. I am. I am. You haven't been in New York lately, have you? No, because I probably would have got banned also. Yeah, we don't want to get suspended, but I was, you know, thinking about maybe going up for the Knicks, but uh, I'm afraid of getting suspended too. (laughs) I'd definitely suspend you. I'm calling. Snitching on you, dude. Snitching on the people who think the Hawks are going to beat the Knicks. Come on, I saw some something to that effect earlier. Hawks are the favorite. How? Favorite in the series. How? It's anti anti Knicks. Yeah, hate. man. What's up with that? It's real. New York's the center of the world. What? Are, what? Are, people just... don't like the Knicks. They're afraid, man. They're afraid. Of us. They gotta be. We're back. Back. I don't know when Bob Baffert's going to be back. Oof. But... He doesn't, nobody knows until that split sample comes back, back, you know, probably about September ish. <laughs> well, we knew that uh, there was the Linda Rice adjudication. That's been broken for a long time. That that was going to be perhaps newsworthy, but uh, it's been, like you said, going on so long. It's hard to really know that if they were going to actually come out with the, the penalty today or not, but they did. Uh, a three-year license. Uh, well, they've revoked her license, and then she's not eligible to apply for it for three years, um, along with a $50,000 fine, which is a pretty hefty fine. Um, and honestly, that seemed like it was going to be the big news of the day. <laughs> Until um, not that long afterwards, uh, Dave Grenning, I think, broke the story. He was the first one I saw that had it, that, uh, that Naira had, had temporarily suspended Mr. Baffert, um, you know, pending uh, the outcome of the Kentucky Derby um, situation, I guess you would call it, because uh, obviously the split sample has to come back if that comes back positive then a hearing will be called um and the stewards will suspend him at that point um, i don't know how long i don't know when the hearing is going to be i don't know if they get postponed I, I i don't know there's a lot of things we don't know but mitigating stances don't really matter in these kind of cases and and i know that we've kind of talked about this before and um i'm sure people would have Probably sick of hearing about the, uh, the regulation process of suspending a trainer, but uh, mitigation, uh, mitigating circumstances only really matter for the penalty phase. And they've got to be really good because just saying it's a mistake or I don't know how it happened, that, that doesn't matter. So uh, because he has won, he had gotten a penalty in September uh, for, for Gamine in the Kentucky Oaks. 
I, I believe that he will get the maximum penalty for these. Now, I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I remember that this was one of the um, one of the deals when they passed this that if you know, you're kind of put on uh, <clears throat> probation for a year, I believe, and if you don't right, get, get another one, another one, but <laughs> you got another one. So, so that's um, you know that news really kind of overtook the Linda Rice news that it had kind of gotten put on the back burner. I mean, it happened so long ago. You're, you're talking some of the incidences in the Linda Rice hearing go back to, I think, 2011, 2012. Yeah, so it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, and there's been a lot of different um, twists in that case. There's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. And I was racing secretary, was escorted off the grounds in, in uh, early 2018 as part of the scheme to help uh, Ms. Rice uh, know who's in the entries. People have their opinions. Your opinions don't matter. Well, she sort of admitted to it. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I don't think people's opinions matter in this case in that um, it's not about what you think is right or you think is wrong. It's about what they've done. It's an administrative judge, and this is what they've ruled. And like, no one thinks the Dutro should have got 10 years, but it didn't matter what our opinions were. Right. <clears throat> you know, and the fact of the matter is... Um, when is that 10 years up, by the way? I don't know, but it's got to be... Got to be soon, right? Got to be pretty soon. It's been a while. Um, and someone asked me on Twitter, does this happen in other places? And I would say, uh, absolutely. I think it happens in other places. Maybe since this incident has happened, things have gotten cleaned up a little bit. But I, I was at a Midwest track about eight, nine years ago, and the leading trainer never made an entry before noon. <laughs> no no kidding. Seemed like he knew where to go all the time, too. He was always in good spots. That was always the rumor. Most of the time, those rumors are true. Uh, it's a very small group of people who would know this. So, um I don't know if envelopes are handed out. I, I don't know what kind of remuneration, if, if any, was, was happening. But um, that also doesn't mean that what she did was right or, you know, like, it, it's not. It, it's unfair. It's unfair to everyone else who's entering blindly. These are supposed to be blind draws. They're not supposed to be, um, uh, you're not supposed to know who's running. Racing offices do hustle horses. They do tell you. Sometimes they, especially the last few years, I mean, I haven't, I haven't entered a horse in, in almost two years now, but they got where they would be a lot more careful about what they were saying to you. Um, I've gotten calls to try to get in a race, and uh, they'll tell me, you're the only speed horse. Or, you know, the horses in the race aren't very good. And most of the time, they're not too far off. Sometimes I do. Sometimes they'll tell you you're, you'll make six, and you, they draw, and there's eight. <laughs> but uh, there's definitely a gray area as to what would be acceptable and what would be unacceptable. Um, but this case is, is going on for a long, long time. And people don't I have to also understand – like, you see a lot of times, right when these first things came out, oh, well, racing always gets it wrong. No, it's got nothing to do with racing. 
The person who determined that three years was the proper penalty in that case is a hearing officer, a hearing officer that, that's an administrative um, official for the state of New York, not a racing person at all. The, the racing commission adopted his recommendation. And I believe in Dutro's case, I believe he, he recommended a much shorter penalty and they did not accept it. And, and they made you know, a ludicrous 10 year penalty. Just that, that, that crime did not fit the, 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 um, the punishment did not fit the crime in that case. But that was a case where there's other similar things happening. I don't recall ever hearing about a case like this. So I can't say, well, this is unfair because this happened in uh, the Meadowlands or it happened in uh, Hawthorne or happened uh, in California and the person only got three months or six months or didn't get anything. Or, um, you know, there was an issue in Penn National where the assistant racing secretary went to jail. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and people were, were buying him things. So, I mean, it's a serious matter. You're talking about a lot of money. Right. And that that's the thing that, that kind of caught me is people were saying, you know, I, I saw a lot of sentiment saying that it was harsh. Um, I don't I didn't think so personally. I mean, you know, that should be the norm for something like that, if not more, to be honest with you. Um, just by, you know, all the all the stuff I read on the complaint and, and you know, how it got to this point. Um, I think it's a lot of it is just people aren't used to horse racing handing out these kind of things or th these kind of punishments. So it's a little shocking when they actually do something like that, um, you know, which is weird. And I hope, I hope this becomes the norm because, you know, it, it'll be a huge deterrent as far as things like this happening more often, or, you know, people trying to skirt the rules, you know, that you, you come down with the hammer, so to speak, and, and people aren't going to be so, you know, inclined to do such things. Absolutely. And I mean, the Linda Rice thing is kind of an aberration in that you're not going to see this happen very often. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, a, a strange situation. And the bar was not really set anywhere where you say, oh, well, so and so, you know, a few years back got this much. You know, there was really n no precedent for this that I could see. No. And, and I mean, honestly, most racetracks are desperate to fill any races, let alone, uh, you know, have you have your choice of races, but, uh, you know, which is a big problem and people keep ignoring it, but it's going to be the problem that kills racing before anything else. Anything else. You don't have any horses to run, no matter if their trainers are drugging them, if the jockeys are hitting them with buzzers, if the, if you're betting, making stupid bets, if the owners are all, you know, doing bad, it doesn't matter if there's, if there's zero horses in the race, then there's no race. So uh, that's, that's an issue that, I mean, you look at New York yesterday, look at Churchill, look at Southern California this weekend. Um, these are the tracks with big purses, big money. They can't get anybody. Finger Lakes. It's, yeah, it's like, a, Finger Lakes is on like a historic chalk run. It's like historic today. Uh, my man Slim and, and my dad, my dad's a, a Finger Lakes junkie too. Um, <laughs> pick four is paying $10. Uh, I think the pick fours they paid like 10, 11, and 16. Wow. Some, some, like, I mean, just, just ludicrous numbers. Well, Saturday at Santa Anita, it was pretty slim pickings, man. 
oh, if man. you looked at that card, that was rough. All right. I just want to let everyone know that my my Grant's Pass undefeated streak is on the Still line up. here. Oh, oh, I got a I got a little little wager here in uh in a two furlong race. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's one furlong. It's 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 uh two twenty. No, no, two furlong, two furlongs. So, um, I'm unfortunately free riding. I'm I'm, cur- I'm currently the no 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 I got uh, some guy with a lot of names, um, but yeah man uh, I got bet the chalk the four was a late scratch here at Grants Pass the five thousand dollar maiden race, but um, yeah we might be delayed, but uh there's there's so many um there's so many issues in this sport man and it's it's nice to see it and of course. One thing about racing people, racing fans, racing participants is it's the most cynical group of people that ever lived. I saw more people today complaining that Naira, you know, through the the book at Bafford, at least, you know, in a temporary situation. Not that they did it, but they were complaining because, oh, well, they wouldn't have done it if Medina Spirit had won. Well, I mean, I'm like, you're, you're qualifying that they did something, okay? Like, Everybody wants that racing to do something, then racing does something, and then everybody's like, "Well, the timing was." Well, to to their to their defense, you know, we've seen these kind of things happen where it's set up a certain way for certain people, and you know, it's happened too many times. So I can understand the skepticism. Not that it's you know it's not totally unwarranted, but you know, in this case, most of the time they would probably do nothing. So it and they did like something, it, right? So, exactly. Like, they suspended Bob freaking Baffert. Yeah, that's the guy. Not enough for you? Then you know what? You're never gonna be happy. That's right. They suspended right. him, and they didn't have to. And he's gonna have to hit the horse that's the favorite for the Met Mile. I'm sure he would have had something else running. Two favorites, because uh, I thought Gammy was supposed to run too. I, I don't know. On the Belmont card somewhere. But it's like Bob Baffert. They suspended him, and he didn't have to. They're under no pressure. Because that, that's my point. It's oh well, they didn't do it before the preakness. Well, if they did it before the preakness, they would have made them the story. They would have, you know, they're partners with uh with Pimlico and the Stronic group with and Churchill in the Triple Crown series. So for them to do that before the, the Pimlico race, A, it serves no purpose except grandstanding. And they would have become the story. So I understand why, even if they had made the decision and it almost seemed like Baffert's in his cryptic comments about Gamine that that maybe he knew this was was happening before it was announced. I'm pretty sure he probably did. And he's not, you know, he's not talking right now. He's, he's no, he's not going for immediate he's, uh, he shut down. And honestly, he, he took my advice a, a week ago when I had my special, and he just stepped back and, and taken, you know, taken a deep breath and and, and let everything play out, he would have been much better off than going on the, the ridiculous Bob Baffert media tour, which just served to piss everyone off. Or at least everyone with a clue. Yeah, but, that was rough. That was rough. It's a rough weekend. I mean, where do you go from here? If you own Charlatan, and he's owned by a consortium of four um, people, or organizations. Um, you gotta move him. I mean, if, you know... 
you know, you can't, you can't, I mean, it's the Met Mile. It's a big race. There's only one Met Mile. You only one shot at that this year. Stallion maker race. That's what I mean. Gamine is, is going to be worth what she's going to be worth. Her winning another race is probably not going to make her value increase any significant matter. As a matter of fact, she didn't look so great in her last race. So <laughs> Yeah, and I, I still can't believe that was a great one. But but he has other horses as well. So He does. I mean, you know, I guess, you know, just like racing is at the crossroads. He's at the crossroads to, you know, I'm sure he didn't imagine it would get to this point because he's been getting, a, you know, quote unquote, getting away with the ticky tack kind of technical fouls. You know, I always compared him to like Rashid Wallace getting technical fouls. You know, we get so many and then you get suspended. <laughs> well, he got so many. And, and I guess, you know, people apparently have had enough, which is a good thing because it, it you know, it, there was no excuse for it in my estimation, but No, I, 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 uh, I agree. I mean, I have no allegiance to Bob Baffert. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not like. No, but you're not against him either. So but, it's not, you know, you just want what's fair. And, and, and I think that's what's going on right now is people are like, well, finally, some fairness getting doled out. And it, and it feels good for racing because it's showing that you know, they're making an effort to do things the right way and to make that, that, uh, you know, kind of feeling of, of impropriety and, 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 you know, shadiness go away. And that's, that's what we need, the integrity back in the sport. I mean, I don't know how many times I go on to Twitter, you know, per week and I see tweets about lack of integrity in the sport in some way, like uh, whether it's jockeys, trainers, you know, all kinds of stuff. And in order to get rid of that, you have to clean it up and you have to, you know, make sure that everybody's on the straight and narrow. And Let me hopefully just, this is the beginning of that. I, I really hope so. I, I just, I just got to make an announcement. I'm still you, undefeated. at Grand Yes. I kind of five. That, that one looked like a layup though. Yes. The horse went up. He went up to eight to five. Oh, Okay. He won like a secretariat-like margin of a neck. <laughs> Beamy is proud right now. Jose Figueroa, you're my man. At least you are today. One dashing rabbit <laughs> scores in the $5,000 Maiden Special. You know, they have a nice finish poll at, at Grand Pass Downs. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They you should can't tell who wins <laughs> if they're not in front. It's a really nice poll, though. It's, it's very nice. Um. Man, the jockey looks like he looks like bowl bowls in the in the stirrups. <laughs> I was gonna say he looks <laughs> look like I'm riding him. <laughs> yeah, he's about six <laughs> eleven. He could lean out and his 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 head could hit the wire. Just lean over the front. Uh, Beanie, we're betting your track, man. We got you, man. Grants pass downs, baby. People are too broke to cheat there. <laughs> um, let me just say this there's no trainer none not a single trainer in this country that we couldn't like just you know retire leave walk away that it would really make a, a single blip in horse racing there just isn't 
people get so uh, you know TVG'd by the constant um, you know fanboy uh, nonsense that they give, and the guys win all races all the time. So you know, like it's easy to 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 to, to like you know give, uh, especially when you're being told to always be positive and always be positive, you know. Uh, uh, but there's no trainer that's bigger than the game. None. Let me tell you something. The Preakness is going to be around. Bob Baffert, he might be done soon. Five years, ten years, whenever. The Preakness has been around for, what, 140 years? (laughs) It's bigger than him. It's bigger than any trainer. I was a trainer for a long time. The fact of the matter is that the way things are, the bigger the trainer, the worse they are for your track. And it's, it's baffling that the track's haven't admitted this they're worse for you they create more problems for you they don't create less people don't go to the track to bet on trainers they don't i mean it's just the truth well you know it's it's just such a conundrum, the whole thing. And, you know, I, I think what's missing and what people will kind of look at later is how did we get to this point? I know we've been talking about it for the whole time we've been doing this podcast, the whole time on how this was all going to come to a to a point where people are going to have their hands tied as to what they can and can't do. And it seems like the guy that was the biggest person, the face of horse racing, has actually put them in the worst spot imaginable. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you took a poll between all the the, the racing executives, they're like, well, yeah, we just want everything to go like it was going, you know, what we've always done. But now the way things work and the way you know, American culture is and social media, you know, just as a country, we're starting to hold people more accountable, which is a good thing. Um, You know, people like to call it cancel culture, like Bob Baffert kind of said the other day. Um, And that term has to kind of be reevaluated a little bit. But it's just so ironic that, you know, the, the guy that they were promoting and, the face of sport. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time he wasn't a feature on any of the, the Triple Crown broadcasts on NBC. I, I literally can't remember a time where he wasn't featured in a story or something about his horse or something. Um, and now we're in the position to the point where he's getting suspended by several major circuits. I mean, what's California going to do? <laughs> it, it's just it's just i never imagined it i didn't i didn't think 2021 was going to bring this if something crazy like this was going to happen i would think it would be in 2020 but here we are no i i, I hear you and i mean listen he's an e- he was an easy guy to sell for all those years yeah absolutely he was likable on tv and you know the ultimate front runner when things are going well bob's your guy <laughs> things not going well bob he's the 
not go on TV and talk about it. <laughs> he needs a lawyer, a mouthpiece. But yeah, I mean, for years, I, I mean, he was he was the media darling of horse racing for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's 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 kind of sad in a way. And it is, and that he just, you know, what Wayne Lucas said was probably worse. I, I did a little article today. Uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and it, it, the problem is Wayne Lucas and Bob Baffert think they're bigger than the game. They think they're bigger than the game. Other people in this business do too. Believe me, there's a couple other trainers. They think they're way bigger than the game, and a couple owners they're way bigger than the game. And guess what? If you guys all just disappeared from the face of the earth, the game would be better off. We don't really need you. But you get your ass kissed so much. And Barry Irwin says, you know, a lot of stuff that I don't agree with. Yeah, but, he's out there. But <laughs> what he said about Baffert is 100% correct. And that why wouldn't he be arrogant if you keep getting away with things, if you keep getting everything handed to you, if there's no consequences then you become, you know, too big to fail, right? That's what you start to think. So why wouldn't he think that? He's a wealthy guy. He's made, a, he's won more races, a big races than anybody that's ever won. You know, I mean, he's been extremely successful. Uh, no one's saying that he, you know, he doesn't deserve the plaudits, but the problem of this business is that They just don't know when to stop. They're afraid to say no. And, and what I said in that piece is, is 100% correct. It's unfair when a small stable's got to beg for a stall. Beg for one stall. And when a big guy gets horses, they'll move everybody all over the place to get him more, 10 more. Tell him no. What's he going to do? Not, not run at your track anymore? The tracks, are, are, the tracks have been laying down for years. And now they're even worse because in a lot of ways, racing isn't even their primary source of income. And what Naira did today, you know what? I, I'm not going to say, oh, well, he should have did it last week. I'm just happy they freaking did <laughs> they something. Did something. <laughs> they did something. Yeah, they, because before they would stay silent and, and hope that it went away. And I was kind of afraid of that you know, based on the fact that um, Medina Spirit lost on Saturday, um, you know, a lot of attention went to Rombauer. And I, I, I would, you know, say there's a good chance that Bob Baffert thought so, too. Because, quote unquote, that's what always has happened. You know, it's, it's the, he wasn't the flavor of the month. And every, all, the, all the spotlight went elsewhere and he can kind of fly under the radar and nobody asked questions. And, and like you said... If Naira doesn't do anything, that's exactly what happens. But they, they decided to do something, which is a first. No, and, and it's, it's... It's, you know... It's sad that we have to, to, to cheerlead these kind of things. Right. For really, you know, it's like exceptional. It's above and beyond, or it seems like it, or the, the, the narrative is kind of, oh, well, they, they did the right thing. Like, they should do the right thing all the time. We really shouldn't be applauding them doing the right thing. But they have it for so long that 
it's like, yeah, it's like almost like relief. It's like, all right, finally. You know, I, I say that to people all the time. Don't don't give me applause for, for being a father. That's what I'm supposed to do. Same thing with the tracks and these penalties. Don't applaud them for that. But, you know, it's just been so long. I mean, years and years and years and years. As long as I've been, you know, following horse racing. It hasn't been this stringent and, and it's it's about time. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. And uh, as I guess as a typical racetrack person, I'm a little, um, not cynical, but we'll see what happens in the future. Right. And that's the, that's the thing, you know, it's got to play out completely. It's not, a dead issue at this point. And honestly, it's easy for, it's easy for, it's, it's a lot easier for Churchill Downs and Naira to, to close the door to Bob Baffert because he doesn't, he doesn't run there. Race there very often. Right. He does run in big stakes. Yes. But yes, it's not as though um, they were doing that to someone who has 200 stalls there. So that would, which would be a, a completely different, uh, so I really thought that honestly I I agree I I thought Ron Bauer winning kind of being a good story uh, at least compared to uh, Medina Spirit winning (laughs) um (laughs) And I wrote that piece, and I started thinking about it yesterday, and and I wrote a little bit yesterday, and I finished it today, and and I thought to myself, you know, that that was kind of the the title is don't forget, don't forget all the shit that, that Baffert and company brought on the business. Don't forget Strana Group caved. Don't forget Wayne Lucas basically said that he can say whatever he wants because he's rich and screw everybody else. Don't forget any of those things. Don't forget the media tour. Don't forget the lawyers. Don't forget any of that. Don't forget that. Because this business, uh, and this was my quote, if there's one thing that racing is, it's persistence. You know, we race every day somewhere, every day. Um, And it's easy when the mainstream media um, stops paying attention to us because they will, because they don't really care. This was just a nice juicy story, like served up on a silver platter. It's easy to take shots at racing these days. So we can't depend on the, the mainstream media to keep writing stories to pressure racing officials. But apparently enough pressure was put out there and, and, and enough people were disturbed enough to, to make a, a strong choice. And I wouldn't be surprised if Baffert, um, if he wants to race there, if he doesn't try to file an injunction there. They use attorneys as battering ramps to get what they want. And the fact of the matter is, in, in, this, in this, like, when you're dealing with racing commissions, they don't have unlimited money to fight these cases. 
And when you get a lawyer, and this happened, this was happening 30 years ago. There was, there was all kinds of cases with cocaine and all kinds of you know, environmental contamination. This the polo main thing that, that was 25, 30 years ago, we had an issue. Bobby Frankel, Wayne Lou. I mean, it was all, it was, this is not a new thing. It's just newer and it's more right in your face. And everybody knows everything now. Before, the only people who would know things that were happening in California were to read the racing form. Right. So so it wasn't even hardly covered that much. But these days, everything happens. Everybody knows like immediately. So it, it just seems worse. Then again, you know, I don't know what could be worse for the horse racing industry outside of a, like a fatal breakdown in a big race than have the Kentucky Derby winner come back with a positive test. I mean. All the, the, the amateur chemists out there saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter and it blah, blah, blah. Well, it might be true, but that doesn't matter either. You can't say, well, I broke the speed limit because we were, you know, this was a downhill portion of the, of the uh, highway. So, you know, it really wasn't my fault that the momentum carried me past the speed limit. Still past the speed limit. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting summer. That's for sure. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I guess maybe maybe they're trying to get out ahead of this HISA thing. That's what it's called, right? The the government yeah. legislation. So maybe they're trying to get ahead of it and, and start doing things in a certain way, um, just in preparation. I know there's a lot of flaws with it you know, that hopefully somebody will recognize and kind of work out, you know, as far as where they're getting information from, who's consulting the government entities and so on. Um, but if this is the beginning of it, then I'm, I'm, I'm all for it because, you know, it's not going to hurt the game to have everybody doing the right things all the time. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no, it, it's, you know, it's it's just always somebody's at an advantage, and and that's how I feel. A lot of times, some of the the jaded horse players are, is that they're not getting the advantage that they think they should be getting because everybody else is playing, you know, on an unequal playing field. And it's it gets frustrating. I know, you know, there was there was one point back a few years ago. It was it was kind of frustrating to me. I kind of let it roll off because. I had to adapt, um, you know, obviously from the horse player's perspective, it's a little bit different than actually competing side by side with someone every day that, you know, <laughs> is not on the up and up, you know, it, 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 that's very, to me, that's very difficult. You know, just imagine, you know, you knew, you knew somebody was doing something they shouldn't be. And you see them kicking your ass every day or every other day. It's got to be terribly frustrating. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's, uh, it, it really is. And I mean, it's frustrating for the people in the business. It's frustrating for trainers that lose horses to these guys. 
you don't think that's frustrating, you know, for a trainer that it's done well for, for, for himself or herself and, and they lose horses to these guys who can't win. And then they want to mock you and walk around like, you know, they're the God's gift. The truth of the matter is training these days isn't all that much different. Guys with better horses win more races because they got better horses. It's hard to get help. Hard to get good help. Real hard. Good help. Everyone feeds kind of the same stuff. It, it just The differences are just not there like they used to be. It's less of an art. It's, it's more of a... Of, of a Not even, not even. <laughs> it's, it's just even the way the guys train the horses, they train them all like they're all trained the same. The good ones wind up being, you know, good. And the other, we don't hear about the ones that fall by the wayside. And it's, you know, and, and the trainers are just, they're just dealing with the system that, that has given them. You know, I, I get why trainers don't turn horses down. I get it, you know, I, I get it. Strength in numbers. My biggest mistake I never, I ever made was, was, not, you know, when I had a lot of momentum, when I was winning a lot of races, when I started was not trying to get as big as, as, as I could. But I never wanted to have, you know, 150 horses. <clears throat> it's impossible to keep track of that many. I say that's, that's tough. <laughs> tough to keep track of one. <laughs> the way I see it. No, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a difficult it's it's not and it's not easy. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to say that winning races at that level is easy. It's not. It's still hard. Even it doesn't matter how good your horse is, doesn't matter how much money they pay for them, they still all get the same problems. You know, they still all get sore at times. They, they still have breathing issues and bleeding issues and uh, temperament issues and you know all, all kinds of. I mean, there's lots of things that go wrong with the horse. Only, only very few things go right. But, but more than that, it, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game in the trotters. Same thing. Same thing. You see the big trainers that keep getting more, and they keep getting more, and they keep getting stronger. And we have a big problem in this business. You guys didn't take care of the middle class, and now it's gone. Now what are you going to do? Because you need those people to fill your races. Maybe not on your 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 Big event days, but you need them to, f- to fill on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. We can't hardly fill cards on weekends now. We can't hardly fill cards on, on, on Saturdays. Yeah, that, that Santa Anita card Saturday was, was rough. I mean, Belmont ran a three-horse race yesterday. $100,000 for giving away. They can't get guys to run. I mean, seriously, like five horses in New York. Uh, Churchill was the same. Five horse, five horse, five horse. Maiden specials. You know, not complicated races. These are basic races. There's a big problem, but this industry is, is, is just, it's, it's so frustrating because, like, nobody pays attention or nobody is willing to do anything that does pay attention. We have a lot of problems in Florida. We have a lot of problems in Florida. Tons. And I, I don't have much faith in 
in anybody in the state, certainly not in the legislators, to, to see um, you know, what we need to keep the business viable. Say what you want. They bet $2 billion in Goldstream last year. I don't know how much they bet of Tampa, but it, it, was, it, was, it was in the hundreds of millions. I don't know what the economic impact is of all the farms in Ocala, but it's got to be pretty big, right? I mean, this isn't like a, a tiny industry. And to be completely, you know, not, not even offer tax breaks. I mean, come on. Like what they've done to the trotters, just you know, Pompano, no matter how good they did Pompano. I mean, we've talked about it a million times. Gabe did an unbelievable job. The people of Pompano, the racing people, not, not the other people, the racing people did an unbelievable job. I mean, an incredible job. And um, it doesn't matter. And that, that's, that's frustrating to me. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to me knowing what the problems are, but not even seeing them um, be addressed. Have you seen anybody talk about the horse shortage we have? No, but they're going to because you're going to see more of these six horse fields. <laughs> six. Six is a big field in California. Oof, man, that I, I couldn't believe it. When I looked at that card, I was like, oh, my God. I said last week, if you cut out a third of the greatest stakes race in this country, we could do it without missing a beat. I've never been, uh, hey, we got to keep contracting, 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 contract. But you're, you're at a point now where you have to do it to get ahead of the curve, to try to build back up. Otherwise, if, if you let the business keep contracting where you have a bunch of four and five horse fields and it's all Finger Lakes type prices, you're going to lose your customers. That's going to cost you more customers than, than guys drugging horses or perceived drugging horses. It's just truth. It's just the truth. You see a bunch of three and four or five horse fields, nobody wants to play them. Can't make any money at it. Can't even make any money. And, and, and listen, most people don't make money. We get that in the long run. But it's not even any fun. Right. You don't get a chance to. <laughs> when you, you see get, uh, 480, 480, 380, 280, look, 480. Look at the Preakness undercard. I mean, it was chalk, oh, chalk, chalk, chalk. Man, I think it was six consecutive. If, right? if, if a nine to five or eight to five second choice in a five horse field wins, that's still chalk. doesn't have to be the favorite to be chalk. It's chalk. Yeah, anything paying under $10. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a chalk fest. And, you know, sometimes that that can't be helped, but this is what we're seeing all over the place. Um, I think someone put a stat the other day since, and, and this is paraphrasing February in New York, uh, favorites are winning like 48%. Unreal. It's, it's just unsustainable, unsustainable. And that's the thing is that we have so many issues. There's so many things to get to be dealt with. Just getting one kind of minor league dealt with feels like a victory. And I'm sure Baffert won't press the issue until he has to. But, I mean, Charlatan in the Met Mile, that, that's got to be like literally one of the horse's biggest goals of the year, right? So I would say the biggest goal other than one other race. I would think that um, 
you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I don't know if the owners are going to be proactive. Um, I don't know. Uh, life is good is, is, is back in training. Certainly the Travers would, or, or the Jim Dandy would perhaps be on the agenda. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of really um, questions that need to be asked and, and I'll be honest I was happy to see Naira step up and do it even if it's only temporary even, and it was kind of interesting how they worded it because it was almost as though they're waiting for the, right, the adjudication as, whatever happens in- yes in Kentucky now my question is when the hell is that going to happen well alright say the split sample comes back July 1st alright um, so they call a hearing, I don't know, July 15th. He gets, he gets his notice July 15th. Uh-huh. Does that mean, you know, so, and they give him, I don't know, 30 days. For, just say for argument's sake, 30 days. All right. He probably appealed it, right? So if he appeals it, does That's that another mean, 30 days? Does that <laughs> mean that still bans him? I mean, like, or, or, or once that it's adjudicated and he's on appeal, then is he let back in? Um, because they will almost assuredly lose the appeal and have to take it to court. Well, yeah, I mean... Which could take, you know... Another couple months. At least. I mean, th- this is why, you know, there was uh, some interest in Medina Spirit winning. Um, because, you know, at least for the way that I saw it, that it would force people to make decisions because this isn't over yet. They're going to have to make more decisions. Like Naira's going to have to make more decisions on this. Um, it seems like Kentucky kind of has laid out a little b- blueprint of what they might well do. Um, if the sample comes back negative, um, I'm sure they're just going to keep the ban in place. Uh, but what's Naira going to do? Like you said, are they going to be like, all right, well, he's on appeal, so. Or are they just going to keep it in place also until this whole thing works its way out? I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a very good thing. And, and then, again, what is California going to do? Probably nothing. The California Racing Board is, is, is the most pathetic of all racing boards. Uh, maybe New Jersey's is, is right in there, but it, it's pretty hard to be considered that pathetic, but they're, they are pretty close to pathetic. There's some people on the California racing board. I'm not even sure deserve to be, you know, on, 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 in public, let alone <laughs> uh, serving the quote unquote public. But, you know, people that just absolutely positively uh, shouldn't be near uh, a board that regulates a sport that they clearly hate. It's just, just, you know, I hope that governor gets his too. <laughs> he's, a, he's a piece of garbage. Rough out there in those California streets. He was he was the first guy to 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 to, to want to scream about masks and then when they, and not eating in restaurants and then they the next day he's in a restaurant with no mask. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do, and and that that's that is what I feel. 
it's Bob Baffert and Wayne Lucas and then many other guys who won't be named because they haven't said anything <laughs> to that effect. That that's what they feel like in this business. They don't care. Do as we say. Well, clearly, I mean, you know, Do as we how say. Can you justify all those those ticky tack kind of positives, those overages or whatever. You know, it wasn't anything outrageous, but it just kept happening at the wrong times. And it's like, oh, well, you know, the Kentucky Oaks, now the Derby. It's like, well, dude, what's going on, man? You know, and it's like, I'm sure in his mind, just, you know, hey, well, I'll just explain it away like I always do. And they'll just be like, hey, Bob, don't do that anymore. And we keep it moving. To me? The penalties should be bigger in those kind of races. Absolutely. I mean, all eyes are on you in the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby, bar none. And you're not going to have to worry about, you know, blowing up a little guy over some, you know, 10 claiming race. Shouldn't he? Well, why should that guy get penalized the same as the guy that gets positive in the Kentucky Derby? Kentucky Derby. These are races. If if you can't be careful in this race, right? What what the hell are you doing on the regular? I'm tired. <laughs> honestly, I'm, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm almost tired of talking about it. And then <laughs> then we find out later later in the day, that Ron McAnally's got a positive CBD, and hey, uh, which is ludicrous. They probably, they probably should make CBD oil. Probably should be ludicrous. It probably should be required. <laughs> it, um, it probably should be. It's I, I read it that it wasn't. It's not. On the no, they never, substance they, list. No, those geniuses out of the California but Racing they, Board have never actually, you know, come up with a classified it. It's, right. it's not classified. But so they're in the like, Why are we even having both. this conversation? But well, because they want to make it a class one, like it's a you know a torphine, which is of course ludicrous. But um, no one believes Ron McAnally did it. Well, yeah, I mean, the horse clearly went to the gas station and got some of those CBD gummies. You don't even know what the level is. Uh, right, that, that, that's so, why, you know, why, honestly, why is it even... Of all the things that Baffert said, and he said mostly stupid shit, but the fact of the matter is the system does suck. It's a shitty system. Yeah. It sucks. And, and it, it, it's the people that have, have put these rules in effect, they suck too. There's just no way about it. Well, well it's just like... You know, this, well, for years, Barry... No one give a shit. You know why? Because it was considered a trainer problem. And they weren't the people that had to live under the rules. So they would haphazardly put these rules in effect. I remember when Clint Beardwell was first legalized in Kentucky. We got uh, a piece of paper came talking about, you know, Clint Beardwell is not legal to be used. They told us the withdrawal time is three to five days. So what does that mean, three to five days? How can it be three to five days? Right. It's why not just or is it five? It, why not just make four. it five days? Why would it be three to five days? I said, I don't understand. If you drive down the road and the speed limit says uh, 40 to 50, like, what does that mean? <laughs> is 42 too fast sometimes? Is, is 48 too fast? Is Like, what does that mean? I don't understand. And, and it was just the fact of the matter was they didn't really care. And if you got a positive, then it was your problem. And it's the truth. They don't really care. They don't really care. The labs don't care. They want to get positive. Definitely don't Laboratories care. use positive tests as a marketing tool. Oh, we're tougher. No, you're not tougher. 
Ask, ask, ask the people in, in power in this business. At what level does a positive test indicate performance enhancing capabilities? And look at the blank stare you'll get. <laughs> Everyone's assumed for years. And why wouldn't they assume? It makes sense that a positive test would be right around or approaching the level uh, that uh, residual effect would still be in play. But that's not the reality of the situation. And yeah, there are like 5,000 possible drugs out there, right? But More than that. <laughs> just to get the information to do the research on the ones that are, are the, the ones that are normally regularly used, the therapeutic medications that, that every barn at some point might have to use, like the methylcarbonyl, which is Robaxin, which is what Mandela got a positive for, which is, which is uh, something that you give the Phillies that tie up. It's, a, it's kind of a muscle relaxant. You have back spasms. You, you know, you would take some of that. It's not going to make a horse run faster. And, you could, uh, and listen, there's always a person that can argue. I mean, they, may, they tell me Lasix is a performance answer, and it's not. But whatever. You're always going to find somebody who'll say, well, it, it allowed the horse to do this. And because the horse was able to do that, uh, you know, they make all these if, and, and, but cases. But if you give your horse four backs in three hours for the race, they're not going to run any faster. Not saying that you should do that. But what I'm saying is that it has a, 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 a use. There's a use. Phillies, they tie up. It's just a fact of life. If we knew how to prevent that, then we would. <laughs> you know, this is not like a, a new thing. It's been around forever. It's, it's just the physiology of, of the horse, right? So, uh, Grand Motion got a positive for that. And Graham is, is very, very careful. Um, he doesn't want to get positive. And we spoke about this a couple times. And come to find out that the positive he got, even though they followed the guidelines, was because there was an interaction with a different medication that prevented the, the medication in question from being flushed out of the body fast enough. So even though they followed the rules and, and conservatively stopped, I believe, two days prior to the, the cutoff date, they still got a positive because the research hadn't been done in the interaction between drugs as well. And that's just, uh, it's incredible that a business of this scope, of this right. like an R and D department <laughs> wouldn't have that information. Right. And it's, it's because when we, 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 we have these meetings and we have these conferences and we talk about um, all the penalties or excuse me, the, the drug testing, they always start with the penalties. It's always about the penalties first. It's not let's have a better system. Let's have the optimum system we have. Let's have the best rules we can have that allows people to humanely and ethically treat their horses because horses have issues. They all do. It's just the way it is. And not give anyone an advantage, not let the people that are trying to take advantage Take advantage, and if they get caught, then they get more than a slap on the wrist. But the problem is, they start with the penalty phase, and they well, always trump up all. Oh, wow, you know, geez, we're gonna 
uh, you know, you class ones, we're going to go from two years to five years. Oh, so I'm like, yeah, that's big. That's real big. Of well, that's who, the thing. Who's the last person to get a class one positive? You know, a lot, a lot of things in this sport, you know, rely on old information. They never reinvented themselves. They never reevaluated what was going on. And, and I mean, unfortunately, the business is going to learn the hard ways that you need to do this on a constant basis. You have to keep reinventing, reevaluating what you're doing to make it better and better and better. And I think that, that somewhere along the line, that, that whole idea was lost. And it's like, oh, well, this is the way we always done it. That's the way it's going to be. And that's why they just skip right to the penalty phase, not from the beginning to where it's like, all right, well, you know, we're starting to find things come up. Uh, you know, maybe we should look at this and hire a, you know, a lab to, to kind of reevaluate what we're doing and seeing how we can make this testing program better. It's never that. It's always, oh, well, we'll just make the penalties tougher. Which is okay, but it's not thorough. You know, it's kind of half-assing it. And, and there, listen, it's not as though there's zero research, but there, there might be, you know, about 5% of what's needed. Right, it, correct. You'll see it, too. Sometimes you'll see you'll see grants given, and they're like 50000 I'm thinking to myself, what can they do with 50000 Nothing. I mean, seriously. Something like that. No, not much. Like, like, we need to dedicate. But it, like I told you, Barry, it was seen as a trainer's problem. And we know how, how some of the people in this business look at trainers. <laughs> so that that's the thing is when the trainers get in trouble, we all look bad. That's the point. We all look bad. Right. And they're starting to find out that a hard way. If they didn't this weekend or last weekend, they'll never get it because, you know, that whole episode from when was it like Friday? Was it Friday or Saturday? Okay. The seventh or eighth of May, that last, whole weekend last, was horrible. Yeah, last Sunday, uh, last Sunday morning. Sunday, okay. Night. Uh, yeah, because we had started to hear rumors <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah, that's right. And then Sunday morning, it was kind of verified, and, and it just turned into a shit show. So all week, it was just, it was just horrible. And it's just, it, it would be sad if people in places to make decisions didn't take anything away from that or evaluate the bigger picture even just call a meeting and talk to somebody else <laughs> you know it's just it's just like well what are you going to do i mean we we can't have this and it's it's just mind boggling hopefully somebody you know behind the scenes things are are working but you know conventional wisdom as to you know past performances on what these things have done it hasn't been very encouraging that that change is going to happen, you know, and that's why, you know, earlier I, I said I, I don't really blame the people saying, oh, or being skeptical of the timing of all this. And, you know, Medina spirit losing. What would they have done if he won? You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I get it because that's how it, things were handled in the past. And that's all you have to go on. But if, if things are changing, then that's that's great. Hopefully we'll be able to see it. True, and and it's it's a step. This business has been very very quick to celebrate any positive news. Oh my God, we had a record Preakness handle. Oh man, that was all over the place. Yeah, Saw right. that all day on Sunday. I think Pimlico's handle is going to be next week, and I got a bunch of five horse races. 
<laughs> you know, it's very, we're very, very quick. I, I've said this before. Um, and some people, I, I understand that uh, for whatever reason, they don't like the fact that, that um, purses are funded by slot machines. I don't really understand like why that bothers them because giving the tracks more money, like the tracks don't like you. You're their customer and they don't like you. So, yeah, you know, I'm not sure why giving them more money or giving the state, they really don't like you. But um, the, 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 the biggest mistake that horsemen in particular made, even bigger than not trying to utilize the purse, uh, the, the slot money for, for something other than just purses for, to use it to, to try to grow the business. That's a bit, that was a big mistake. But the biggest mistake they made was once these things were passed, not double and tripling their lobbying money, using money from there to, to keep lobbying, to stay in the politicians' ear, to keep on pushing. Right. Politicians. What's going on in Florida right now? Oh, man, it's ugly. It's a travesty of epic proportions. And the fact is, it just hammers home. It don't matter who you vote for. They're crooked. They're corrupt. And they don't give a shit about you. They don't. It doesn't matter where you are. The politicians on a high scale, a high level, they're just feeding their own face. And it, it doesn't matter what, who they you know, destroy on their way up. It's about them. And that's our fault. That's our fault as a society for allowing this. But you know that's a different story. But the fact of the matter is that they should have they should have spent more money on lobbyists because once you get something that feeds you money that feeds you revenue, you got to keep it. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got the brand new pair of shoes and, you, and you're walking through the the rough neighborhood. You don't have to fight to keep them shoes. You know what <laughs> I mean? Well, we got the we got the the, the slots are the new shoes. Except these dummies forgot they're going to have to fight. And, and they're fighting and they're losing in a lot of areas. Whether you like uh, the, the fact that they got the money or not. And, and it seems to be, it's, it, to me, it's odd why people would care. Like, I don't care what the tracks do with their slot money. You know? Like, you know what they do? Does anyone know what the tracks do with their slot money? The profits <laughs> they make. Does anyone know what they do with it? Right? Um, Len Ragazin was using it to, to, to fund communists. So, you know, all you people using the rags, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> uh, yeah, people weren't thinking about that, huh? Yeah, yeah like, hey, but, uh, <laughs> it's, oh, it's one of the weirdest things. Like, why do people care what people do with their money? And why does anyone care if uh, 12% of the, the slots proceeds go to purses or not? And I think horse players uh, often are just. Misguided and thinking it's the horseman. It's not the horseman. It's the track. The track is is your is who you make the bets with. The track's getting way more money from the slot money than the horsemen are. You know they always want the horseman. I, I don't get it. And I'm not saying that the horsemen haven't squandered the money. It doesn't make sense to have five thousand claimers with a thirty-two thousand dollar purse. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't help anyone. Having big fields for five claimers. It's going to happen anyways. Where else are you going to run them? Huh. But that's the biggest mistake they made, and and they're they're learning it the hard way. Um, and if you like racing, 
this idea that, oh, well, racing needs to, you know, stand on its own two feet. Like, grow up, man. <laughs> this is 2021. The racing can't stand up on its two feet anymore. The tracks don't even want us. <laughs> As you like racing and, and you root against you root against it in that manner, you really don't like racing. You really don't like racing. And remember when the when they tell you, oh well the horsemen agreed to the purse increase. Outside of like maybe California, most of the time <clears throat> the horsemen got duped. People who run the tracks went to Harvard and Princeton. People who run horses organizations for the most part didn't. And there's some good guys out there. There are. There, there are a, a couple good guys. Joe Applebaum is, is a sharp guy. Uh, Alan Foreman, though he kind of wants to retire, is a sharp guy. But, but it, it's, a matter of, uh, it's a matter of survival now, more than anything. The survival of the sport. The handle figures notwithstanding. Like I said, you might want to bet on the horses, but you're going to get tired of betting four horse races. Real quick. Yeah, yesterday's Golden Gate card was pretty atrocious too. Nowadays, it's like it's almost like the opposite. Instead of like trying to find the atrocious cards, like trying to find the good ones, and that doesn't make me happy. Definitely doesn't make me happy. You know, it, it's it's, you know. and believe me, I'm not saying that the horsemen have made a lot of great decisions. In the most for the most part, they've made a lot of bad decisions. But you know, look at Arlington; they were completely duped by the track. Churchill totally, totally lied to them for years, lobbying for a casino. And when the state finally was broken up where they just threw open the doors, they said, ah, we don't want it. We, we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to hang with this other one down the road. And now the, one of the most beautiful tracks in the world is, you know, maybe going to be faced a wrecking ball because the tracks lied. It's Churchill lied. And that's, I mean, I don't know how well they're, uh, any other way to put it? Because show me show me one place where they said un- until they were actually given the opportunity to have it, where they said they didn't want it. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they, were, they were lobbying for it, and then all of a sudden they got it, and they were like, "Oh, oh, uh, oh, sorry." Ten years they were lobbying for it, more than ten years. So that 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 should be really. Uh, a, a good uh, a microcosm of, of racetrack horseman relations in a lot of ways. But, um, and it's sad. It's, it is, it is, uh, it is sad that it's, you know, a really great track. But, um, you know, and even now the fields are crap and the purses suck. And, but, you know, when you don't try, when the track's not trying. They're running 16 races a week up there. Huh. 16. Insane. 
I mean, even comparatively to like what it was ten years ago. I know, and believe me, when I was there ten years ago, it wasn't it was it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. And, and now you have people like Gulfstream wanting to put the, pop, the synthetic track in. Like nobody wants to really run on that stuff. Yeah, you'll run on it if your horse likes it. If Zenyatta comes out of retirement, they'll they'll be good. <laughs> but, she me. Um, yeah, it's uh, not not a good not a good thing. Not a good thing. Mammoth opens soon. Uh, supposedly, there was supposed to be a meeting. Yes, modification. I believe that maybe modifying the rule or my, I don't know if that's just a rumor. Um, I mean, someone had put some a trainer from Mammoth who's often writes things that ramble don't really make sense, kind of like this podcast tonight. Um, said something the other day, like kind of chastising the jockeys for their stance, and, and, and I completely disagreed with him. So I think that the jockeys should be supported by the industry because, you know what, at some point you have to say no to these commissions that, that don't want to take in industry feedback, that don't even have half of the number of people on the commission as they should and it's a bad rule people aren't going to want to bet the races i I don't understand how the the stewards are going to even adjudicate the rule how how can you tell whether someone's using it for safety or, or not i mean these guys aren't dumb the jockeys will figure out a way to make it look like the horse is doing something and then, and then they'll be able you know, they'll get a, they'll get an unfair advantage. I mean, it just, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who's actually going to show up there. Paco said he was going, I asked him the other day and he kind of like, kind of spoken and, and, you know, and tongues for a little bit. <laughs> no whip, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know. If, you know, he's getting pressure from the guild or what? But yeah, did he, did he take a vacation? I I didn't see him this weekend at Ghost. No, he was there. He just took a vacation in the winter circle. Yeah. Um. But there'll be enough jockeys there they'll, they'll 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 run the races it's not like they're not gonna be any jockeys there'll be some jockeys there there's guys that aren't in the guild that, that you know are gonna see opportunity nay hey, you know what maybe they're not the guys you, you want to ride but you know what beggars can't be choosers and you chose to go to Monmouth and Monmouth has a bad whip rule and everybody knew this was coming so you know just deal with it I weigh enough they could I could do it you wait you're, you're as tall as the guy that won the fifth race beat me down today I don't know. I think Trevor McCarthy is taller than me. He might be. Taylor Hole, I think he was the tallest jockey ever. Yeah. He, he was walked by me one day. Rockingham guy. Up to that guy. He was about 6'7". <laughs> he was like Louis Orr. Deshaun Parker kind of tall, too. Yeah, but he's not in like the, the NBA level tall. <laughs> he's not dunking on anybody. <laughs> no. No. So Rombauer ran pretty good. 
Yeah, man. One race too late. Yeah, I I unfortunately jumped ship after the Breeders' Cup. Well, sort of more after the Bluegrass when they didn't want to show up in the Derby. I thought something was wrong. But I was led astray. Horse ran great. He did. He really perfect did. setup, mind you, but he no, still it was. It was. It was a very good setup. I mean, the people that were saying before the race that the Preakness was one of the worst ever. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Medina well, Spirit was totally finished at the top of the stretch and still ran third. Gassed. Nobody passed him. Keep me in mind, couldn't couldn't even come. I think he, he was two lengths behind Medina Spirit, too. Maybe a length. Yeah, he saved ground every inch, too. Chad Brown horses were disgracefully bad. Wayne Lucas, big talk, Wayne. Keep talking. Nah, he kind of backpedaled. He, he kind of tipped his hand and, and, and in a way, roundabout way, kind of said that Ram wasn't didn't really fit. <laughs> It'll be 37 lengths, so he was right. Yeah, he was absolutely correct. Because, yeah. I can't believe he got bet so hard. What was that about? I have no idea. I, I honestly is it his, just his name. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't there, think there he are, had that kind of pull anymore. There are some horses that go off in some of these big, you know, triple crown races that go off at odds that are just baffling to me. How low <laughs> horses with just no chance that go off like 30 points lower than they should. He, he was one of them. I, I didn't get that at all. I really didn't. Um, I mean, that bourbon ran okay, but again, he lost ground in the last call. Again, yep. That's so weird. Doesn't finish her with this run. And, you know, if Romberg's not in the race, he, he wins it easy. Of course, he wins it in a, in a really slow time. He probably gets like an 87 buyer. But, um, yeah, it was, it was not much of a fluke. Yeah, concert tour was a uh, concert tour. Uh, you know, dud. He got he got kind of brushed out of the gate, and then just didn't have much. I I watched the race a couple times over, and at, at first I thought Mike was actually um, flashing the stick at him a little bit going into the first turn, trying to you know get him to move up. But I, I don't think they they changed the camera angle so much. That, yeah, you can't get those straight yeah. and narrow like but he, the regular. He, 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 he never really looked he, – he never looked like he was going to make a run anyways. And, you know, there had been talk about and, – and, and it's funny because people talk about this, but I had heard from a pretty good source that the horse wasn't right and after the Arkansas race, which is why they were going to pass the derby. Um, but um, – He just wasn't fast enough. He, he didn't even prove he was fast enough. He never really ran fast. No. Enough. His sheet numbers were, I think he topped out on thoroughbreds at a four. Uh, it's, it's, you know, nice. Like, I like to have horses that run fours, but in these kind of races, he's got to run zeros or ones. So he, he never really was fast enough. And certainly he's not going to win off the pace. No, he had no chance. After he didn't get to the lead or, or kind of push outside of Mid, uh, Midnight Bourbon, I was like, oh boy. 
Yeah, he, 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 he literally was, was fifth at a point down the backside. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Japanese horse on the inside was ahead of him for a while. <laughs> it was funny. Somebody tweeted at me. <laughs> it was like, well, Concert Tour is going to win because he's just faster than everybody else. Yeah, Bill Finley said that. Usually, Bill's handicapping skills are... I don't know if they were ever any good, but they certainly have deteriorated. I was like, in what world? You know, I mean, I looked at the sheets and I looked at everything. There was no way he was faster than than the speed horse. He wasn't fast. He wasn't faster than Medina Spirit. No, had never been. He's never been faster. No, it's all uh, that's true on on virtually any speed numbers that that are out there. But. uh, but no, uh, it, it was. I mean, like I said, Rombauer ran great. I, I, I always, I thought that he was a good horse. I thought his Breeders' Cup race was a little better than it looked. Um, I was disappointed they scratched him out off the dirt because I wanted to see what he could do on the dirt. Yeah, it was just odd handling of his schedule, you know. Yeah. Well, you have a, a, an issue where the owner and the trainer were kind of not seeing eye to eye, and it worked out for the owner. But he's probably got, you know, it was luck. A lot of it was luck. But that's what that's that's unfortunately in this business a big part of it is luck. You luck into the right trip, you luck into the right field, you luck into the right time. Well, I mean, I guess at the time it made sense because I wouldn't have ran against life is good either. I would have been, you know, like uh, that horse is kind of a monster. So that makes sense. But after that point, it was kind of baffling where he showed up. Well, I, I think he scratched out of the race that Life is Good wasn't in. Uh, I thought the one that the he Bob won. And, the Beverly Lewis, the Bob and Beverly Lewis race. That was the, when Medina, Medina Spirit, Spirit won yeah. by half a head, right? Yeah. yeah, I think he was in that race, and they scratched to go in the uh, El Camino Real. Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, who knows? Listen, like I said, it worked out, and he ran great. And, uh, you know, he showed that if given a, a – you know, the proper setup that he's, he's good enough to beat these kind of horses. But, uh, you know, the race in, in, in the bluegrass actually was probably a better race than it looked. And that's what I kind of thought at the time. And, and I was really hoping that they would run him, not only because I had the ticket at 109 to one, but because <laughs> he, he was kind of taken out of his game and adapted. Forced, he yeah, ran he good. Forced the chase and, and like, didn't like, didn't throw the towel in. I mean, he showed like he had some quality that day. And the Derby, I thought he would get a better setup for his style. And listen, the horse won on the Derby on the lead. So I'm not going to say that he would have won the race. I, I I can't say that at all. But, um, you know, this the, the, the Belmont is ripe for someone new. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Medina Spirit's not going to be racing. So uh, I don't think the actual eventual Kentucky Derby winner, Mandolin, I don't think he's going to run in there either. No, so, essential quality, though, is back, I believe. Essential quality, right. Um, she you know, might Charlie, end up being lone speed. <laughs> Charlie Appleby sent a bunch, uh, sent that horse over from Dubai. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a factor, but... You think Joe Hope race- rides the Japanese horse and rides him back? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. He made a middle move, faded. Yeah. yeah. He he did make Medina Spirit work a little bit. Yeah, he did. He came up the rail and Yeah, he, he got uh, his called a couple of times. He did get a call. 
but they're pressing on. I mean, they that's a long shift to come and run one race, right? Yeah, I, I would I would try it. I mean, what do they got to lose? They better get some super glue for that exercise rider. Keep them on. <laughs> that guy was kind of tall too, actually. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um. Yeah, so the Belmont, you know, it's be an interesting race. I mean, with Baffert not being in there, I'm sure the ratings will be shit because there's no triple crown. There's no the controversy's kind of you know washed away a little bit, and um, I'm not sure how to promote it, but them you know they'll come up with something. Could be a good field. They'll, they'll, field they'll put the matchup, you know, Rombauer versus Essential Quality. Yeah. That's good enough, I think. It's going to have to be because that's what we got. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Charlatan being out, potentially out of the Met Mile is probably the bigger defection. Um, if you think Man, about it. I would want Rock Your World. Is Rock Your World running? No, right? I don't know. That's the horse that I would he's, want. He's officially done nothing, I sent, I, I think. Oh. I would want to see that horse. I, I, I like that horse better in the Belmont than anywhere else. I don't I don't know that he's done anything No, I don't think so. So I don't know. You know what? It, it's a lot to ask. I mean that horse is only it run, is. He's only run um four times. And he got a bad trip in the Derby. It was a lot to ask of him. Going in there, I thought it was, to me, was was kind of a tough spot to put him in, especially considering that his only dirt race, he did go wire to wire on, on, a, on a track that seemed to favor his style. So we don't exactly know what he wants to do. I mean, we know he can go to the lead. Um, I'm thinking he, sh- he shows up and there's a race in June and Out there in California, uh, the affirmed maybe, and and uh, you know, looks like a layup drill for him. So, about the Pletchers, they're not going to show up, right? I don't know. Got a lot of them. I don't think Unbridled Honor is going to show up. <laughs> He's still running. Yeah. Yeah, Todd's. Uh, Todd's triple crown three-year-olds this year didn't. Uh, the old stopping pot. The pot. Oh, maybe no agenda. Does, does, I mean, a mile and a half shouldn't. He, he certainly bred to be to go that far. So, I mean, maybe he's uh, he's back for more. Uh, I mean, Todd's Todd notoriously has skipped the Preakness. I mean, yes. his, his he's not been shy about it either. He. I remember when. Uh... Uh, uh, always dreaming one. It, it felt like he didn't want to go to the Preakness. No, no, and uh, I mean he—he's you know he says his program is to get them horses to the Derby, and that's what people pay him to do. And um, you know he's run some in the Preakness just because of the way it's set up. But uh, uh, you know, unbridled. Has uh, he won a Preakness? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. No, he hasn't. He hasn't won the Preakness. He hasn't. He hasn't. You know, I saw a stat. It was a couple of years ago. He had run like 
ton of horses in the Derby. And at the time, he had run like five in the Preakness. It was like so unbalanced how many he had run in, in the Derby versus the Preakness. It was, it was kind of laughable, really. And I think the two of the ones he ran in the Preakness were horses that won the Derby. So they literally, you know, if you're in, if you're in training, uh, you're, you're probably going back out there and trying to, you know, no one's going to skip the triple crown because your horse needs a little bit more time. About the only race that 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 that'll, that'll happen, you know. How many other races are people would, would they just decide not to race? In? And that's one of the issues that racing offices have in filling regular races nowadays, is that guys are willing to pass, they're willing to wait, and the owners accept it way better than they used to. Um, I mean, when when we were young. Horses were expected to run every two or three weeks. And that just was all, that was all there was to it. They were, expect, they were expected to be in the box every two or three weeks. And that is just not true of any type of horse these days. Yes, when you go to like the, the, the real, you know, the smaller tracks, it, it's a different because those guys are, are, are running literally to feed the things. But that attitude has changed and, and that that's what makes it a little bit more difficult to fill races. And if a horse isn't, isn't doing great or there's any reason to skip, they, they will skip. Guys will skip now. That didn't always used to be the case. You didn't look at Canterbury, did you? No, they're tomorrow, right? Wednesday. I thought it was Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Love the announcer. That's my guy. Paul Al? Yeah. Voice of the Minnesota Vikings? He's a great caller. He's a great race caller. So enthusiastic. I love I like it. My man, Scott Rake. One of the best owners I ever had. Never met him. I trained for him for years. <laughs> uh, he, he was he used to send me some horses, um, and he got some good advice. There was a friend of mine, uh, Devon Latham, who was a bloodstock agent, uh, who's a great guy, good bloodstock, a really good bloodstock agent. And then Scott and him, uh, you know, Devon would would try to buy mares for him. They would fit up in the Minnesota program and. And they did great. He's, he's won all those races a bunch of times. Um, and the Minnesota program's really grown. I mean, it's really, really grown. Um, they're trying new things, and, and uh, they're being rewarded. So it's, it's good to see. Um, it's nice to see tracks like that being innovative and, and, and trying. They're, they're trying. And uh, like that's very least try and, and they are they've done a lot of things for owners they've done a lot of things for betters they've, they've uh, set the um, they've, they've created some incentives and some some really interesting programs and and uh you know they're, they're better friendly better, better better friendly also yeah exactly that's uh they used to have the claiming crown up there remember the claiming yeah. crown they used to have it in uh in July, I remember that. Yeah, it's rather recent that it's 
been fully transferred over to Gulfstream on opening day. Yeah. Tell you what, those are some hard races, man. They are. I I, I remember, you know, pre-COVID, I used to go uh, on that day every year. And uh, it's always a tough card. Big fields, you know, it was, it's, it's excellent. But definitely tough, tough to handicap. You know, you got all these horses coming from different kinds of claiming races from other states, and it's wild, but always a good time. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good program. They, it's done well at Gulfstream too. It, it has, um, it's grown, uh, handles grown quite a bit, and I mean it's big fields, full fields, competitive races. You know what's not to like, right? That's that's what we that's what we do. I mean, I remember what was it? Uh, I want to say uh, it was I, I, I have heard that they're they're trying to run them without Lasix this year, which I think oh is no, a why would they do that? Stupid. I remember. I think it was 2018. I think it was like most of the fields were like 12 horses and up. Yeah, I know. Yep, it was a buffet for for horse players. Yeah, usually the only race that doesn't get a full field is usually the big race, the mile and an eighth. Right. Is yeah, that one I think there was there was nine horses, nine or ten. Jesus was in there this year. And he had to work to win it. Yeah, he did. It wasn't the walkover hill I thought it was gonna be. But, to... Yeah, then he comes back and destroys my my dreams of uh Independence Hall finishing second. In the Pegasus, jerk. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> no, that's the truth. So tomorrow I have. Um, I have Dean Reeves, the owner. Uh, you know, Mucho Macho Man. He's going to be on. And he's got... Uh, I mean, we usually don't have those kind of guys on, but Mr. Reeves has got some really strong opinions. And uh, he... I think he's going to be a really good guest. Um, uh, I think he's going to surprise people with some of the things that he, he says, but... Uh, uh, he's a guy that loves racing. He's been a big uh, player trying to get racing in Georgia um, for years. They've been trying and unsuccessfully, unfortunately. But, uh, um, you know, he supports the game. And and, uh, and I think, uh, I think he, it'll be interesting to talk to him and, and hear some of his views. And Like I said, I think that uh, he's going to surprise people and, he might um, he might think a little more like us than than uh, the typical big owners do. So, so oh, that's tomorrow we'll have we'll have him on. Uh, Didn't they own Fast Anna too? Uh, well, Frank Calabrese owned Fast Anna, but I think uh, he bought into Fast Anna. Okay. You know, a lot of times I, I think we'll, you know one of the strategies they have now is to, uh, and this is a lot of owners too, is is that they wait till horses race and then buy into them. Um, because it's more of a, there's no sure things. Horses can get hurt 
drop of a hat, but at least the horse has already demonstrated uh, talent cool. on the racetrack as opposed to a projection of talent when you're buying an unraced horse and you're, you're, you're thinking that they might have talent, but um, that doesn't always turn out to be the case. So, you know, to buy a horse or a piece of a horse that's already racing, well, A, they're already racing. B, they've already shown you some ability, obviously, if you're buying into one. And it kind of eliminates all that waiting period of buying a yearling or even a two-year-old in training. You buy a two-year-old in training, and, and there's not that many that can just go right into training uh, at the racetrack and, and just go right on and, and, and be real successful. A lot of times they need a break at some point. So, uh, but he's, he's done that. And that's the new wave, you know, guys partner up and, uh, you know, however people get their enjoyment. I, I've been critical of it at times. I wouldn't do it if I was a billionaire. Uh, and I'm not saying Mr. Reeves is a billionaire. I really don't know how much money he has, but if I was a billionaire, man, I wouldn't be partnered with nobody. <laughs> Right. What do you need a partner for? I'd be partnered with myself. Um, I don't know. I'm always a sucker for a good uh, dirt sprinter, even a turf sprinter. Like Extravagant Kid, that's like one of my favorite horses. Same thing with the Big Beast back in the day. The Beast. Love that horse. Love the name, too. The Big Beast. He's had a couple of runners. Yeah. So it's so hard these days to figure out like <laughs> like what um, what constitutes success as a stallion. <laughs> Into mischief has set the bar pretty high. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't miss. <laughs> yeah, the intimate just uh, those don't come around too often. He's he's a, a rare bird. He earned it too. I mean, that horse, his first couple full crops were, were 25, 30 horses. And he got so many good horses out of those small crops that he caught on. And now hardly a week goes by without him winning a stake. Somewhere. And I think most of it's American success, too. I don't I, don't, I, I shouldn't say this because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the majority, the vast majority of his success have been um, have been in this country. And he's a pretty good turf sire, but he's a really good dirt sire. You know, the, the question mark with, with them was... Uh, can they get that mile and a quarter or a mile and a half? I mean, you know, Authentic got it last year. Um, Mandolin almost got it. Hot Rod Charlie, he's didn't going get to by the, the one in front of him. <laughs> no, Hot Rod Charlie's going to the Belmont, right? Is he? Yeah, I think he's going to the Belmont. <clears throat> he's got to be. He might be the horse to beat in the Belmont. Yeah. Well, you got to look for speed. I, I couldn't imagine myself, you know, wheeling back with uh, Rombauer just because of style. I mean, he doesn't really have a quick turn of foot. You know, it's kind of a grinder type, you know, just a long extended run. 
usually those horses don't do well in the in the Belmont. No, that's I have to time it right, and it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, people, you know, I, I think now that we've gotten to the point where people, we underrate the overrating. We underrate the overrating <laughs> of the closers. <laughs> the closers never win the Belmont. Eh, sometimes. Oh, it depends. Deep closers. It's those one-run deep closers that never run, win the Belmont because they never get the pace. Pace makes the race. I'm sure Mr. Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Milkowski would agree with that. He was talking about the pace in that race, the Gallaret. Well, man, the Mean Mary race. Yeah. Boy. I mean, it kind of looked like that was going to happen. They, they, it's like a new tradition on... Uh, on the undercard of, of Triple Crown events, there must be a Philly turf race where a horse gets a clear, easy lead. And go 115. Mm. Three quarters and 115. Yeah. Uh, it's That's happened cool. now. It's two for two. The mile race at uh, at Churchill on the undercard and, and where the, the Chad Brown horse. Oh, man. Went wire to wire. Pratt. Oh, yeah. Pratt, he's pretty good, right? <laughs> It's my guy, man. The the two triple crown days have have really kind of I think opened up a lot of people's eyes. No, no, nobody's talking about it. That guy That's can phenomenal really those those two days. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Like no mistakes either. Like you know Johnny V esque because Johnny V usually doesn't make mistakes. He's usually in the right spot to give his his horse every chance to win. You know, he's not really he's not really reckless with his rides. You know, he's not just out there like Joel will just be out there, kind of, eh, whatever I feel like doing, I'll do. You know, you can tell Johnny V has a has a plan pretty much every time, um, and he doesn't make mistakes. He puts his horse in a position where he can run on and win. If he doesn't, it's more on the horse than it is him. But Pratt does the same exact thing. I was I was a little baffled by a ride I saw too. Uh, I'm not really big in the critiquing jockeys much, but I think it was that sprint on the dirt. Uh, when Asmussen had two horses on the race, it was the Mischief race. What's the horse's name? Mia Mischief? Is that the horse? Yeah. He had the other one. I think Irad was on him, and he lost position on the turn. Yeah, Irad was on, on purpose. Yeah. And I was like, why? Yeah, Willie Boy was on the outside. That's right. And he went, he backed him up and went around him. Yeah. I was like, why would you do that? Especially when the inside is the best part of the track. Well, not only that, you know, you're talking essentially a three-horse race because it was five, but the one horse had zero speed, and he was never really in close. And then the other horse just kind of sat a couple lengths behind. So, I mean, tactically, you just had your entry mate to your inside and, and the other horse to your outside. So, Which he up. probably knew he had more horse then. If he's going to think about going back... Well, 
round. I, I, you know, sometimes you wonder like how these guys ride the races, and this is not saying anything accusatory at all in this in this case, but you know, you wonder that had the two and the four not been from the same barn, that they might have ridden a little differently, and maybe they wouldn't have. I don't know, but. You know, that, that, that's a question. Listen, that was one of the biggest questions I had in the previous was what the hell was Mike Smith going to do with, with Concertor from post 10? And if you had I told me that he was going to do what he did, <laughs> I, I would have been on the exchanges trying to, I'd be laying a hundred to one on him, <laughs> you know, like he had no chance to win. It's it's funny. And, and Mike was my friend for a long time, but it might be time because I mean, he's, he's only ridden like 75 horses this year. Uh, it's May, right? So you're talking, he, he's literally riding like um, three horses a week and uh, or, you know, four horses a week. So his two rides on the Triple Crown horses have just been kind of baffling. In that, uh, I didn't like Midnight Bourbon in a Derby, and I will defend that till <laughs> the day I die. I didn't think he had a chance. And I, and, he, and had Mike been sitting sixth instead of twelfth, he probably would have finished exactly where he finished. Yeah, anyway. but having him twelfth didn't make much sense since the horse has never been, you know, been that far of it. You know, he doesn't have uh, sprinter speed, but he's not exactly. He, he's not. You know, he's got some speed. So I, I don't know what he was doing with that ride, and, and he wound up outside as well. And why I I didn't understand why Baffert put him on there anyways. Right? Why did why was that Joel not riding that horse? I, I don't know. It, it didn't make sense to me. Like nothing about that made sense. So I just couldn't figure out what he would do. And what he did was what we thought he was going to do. Was kind of this like, not kind of nudges here and you no know, like hold on. I remember two starts ago, this was the horse that everybody was, you know, had so much respect for that they weren't going to bother him on the lead. Now he's sitting, you know, behind the Japanese horse going on the backside. Like, what was going on there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at his, his past performances and you're like, well, this horse has to go to the lead. Mm-hmm. Why would you not hustle him? I, I didn't get the feeling that he hustled the horse out. And he kind of just let the horse leave on his own and kind of wanted to get in there in the pocket he behind. did brush with the horse coming out of yeah, the gate but there's did. a long there's run. a way he had plenty of time to, to long go run to that to that uh, to that turn so but I just, it didn't I, seem like he had a lot of interest to horse for him i it was very odd but i mean i don't know i just don't i mean like i said i like mike smith he's a great guy and i mean he's a great rider one of the all-time best riders absolutely um, but I mean, he's just, I mean, at this rate, he's going to have 150 mounts this year. So, like, I just don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's hurting or, I mean, I just don't know how you can, you know, one thing about riding horses, and and obviously I'm not saying this from experience, but um, I've talked to the best jockeys that there are, and they'll always tell you that that riding is something that, that has to feel natural to you. And it's something the more you do, the better you're going to be. And if you don't ride very often, it's hard to get, uh, to, to not to stay fit, but 
to, you know, keep your timing. And I know you've done it a million times before, but when you're only riding a couple horses a week, it just can't be, you're not in that same zone as you are when you're riding high and you're riding a bunch of, of, of horses every day. Um, yeah, I think that's what's going on with uh, J.J. Castellano. He changed agents. Yeah, but I mean, I think he, he just hasn't, you know, gotten to his groove yet, you know. Um, he, he's winning races. Yeah, but, it's not like he's doing terrible, but he's wanting to do better, and I think he's just thinking yeah. he can get the I-Red cast-offs. Uh, I, I don't blame him. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I'd do uh, the same if thing. If you're riding in New York, you know, getting I-Red second calls are, are probably going to put you uh, quite high in the standings. And, um, you know, I mean, he, he's not a kid either. He's coming off a, a you know, uh, off a hip surgery. He missed a little more time than, than he thought he was going to miss. And, uh, you know, when you're that age, you start to see the end a little bit. And I think just trying to, uh, you know, we saw what Johnny Velasquez did. Johnny V changed agents and went to Ron Anderson. And, um, I mean, his, he's won the last two derbies. He's winning everything over the last <laughs> two months. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, I, I was thinking that after the Derby, I was like, "Man, it wasn't that long ago we kind of thought Johnny V was was phasing himself out, and you know he'd probably take a big role in the Guild, and maybe um, you know maybe he'd take that over someday if Terry Meeks you know retired, and, and all of a sudden you know he's kicking ass again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean maybe you know I think it seemed like that's what Castellano's looking to do. Yeah, you know, it happens. I mean, agents, jockeys jump ship a lot. And as the game continues to consolidate, uh, really the truth of the matter is that at the bigger tracks, they shouldn't let jock agents have, have two jocks anymore. Too much too much influence. Too many, too, there, there's only a handful of trainers that, that, that have many good horses. So having, having two of the top guys just gives you a little more influence than than it feels comfortable having. I'm sure, I'm sure all the agents will hate me for saying it, but I'm saying this not because uh, I, I just that's just how I feel. Um, that you know, agents are technically allowed three riders in most places. You could have two journeyman riders and one bug rider, and when you're having five and six horse fields, and the top two guys have top four riders, well. If you had to throw a bug in there, a lot of times those two guys might control the whole race. And I'm not saying that there's jock agents out there. They're making – if you have the top two riders at Churchill Downs, at New York, and, and Southern California, wherever, you're making lots of money. You're doing very well. You don't need to do anything underhanded. But by the same token, we always see it now, the way riders ride against other trainers when they're trying to – curry favor with that trainer sometimes you'll see him maybe not press the pace on a, another horse on a long shot and the, when the other trainer's got the favorite sometimes you'll see that rail open up mysteriously when it maybe shouldn't so it's it's as the game gets smaller and more compact um it's another it's another issue that that's uh, i'm sure not a single person has thought about 
Oh, they thought about it. They like to tweet about it a lot. No, no, not that. I mean, uh, from a, a oh, from from, from the other standpoint. Yeah, from the uh, yeah. No, you're right. The 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 impression of something being done wrong is is a problem. That's that's really the biggest issue, because all this stuff is kind of nonsense in a, in a way. Um, but just having that cloud of suspicion is is enough. Why don't you like tacos? <sighs> I don't like the accoutrement. Meaning, I don't like the soft taco, the tortillas, and I don't like the hard shells. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty ones, I don't like the hard ones. I don't know there's anything in the middle. Right. So, you know, it just never took with me. I just never. It's not like I won't eat them. I mean, I'm fat. I'll eat anything. But um, it's not high on my list. I, I, I prefer not to. My wife, when, <laughs> when she first figured that out, she was like appalled for like weeks. We want burritos. Nope. No thanks. I don't like tortillas. Nachos? Mm, every once in a while. Fajitas, definitely not. No to the fajitas. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big on the Tex-Mex thing. Bobby Flay is pissed off at you. I know. Yeah, it's strange. People look at me sideways when I say I don't really like tacos. It's not. I know someone who doesn't like pizza. They're weird. <laughs> what? Exactly. Not American. <laughs> It's not American. Yeah, kicked yeah. out. Very strange. <laughs> but I'll eat Brussels sprouts. Alvin's Brussels. Sprouts. Alvin's. Alvin's. Alvin's is top shelf. They've raised the bar on Brussels sprouts, man. I don't think I can have any anything better than that. Those are pretty good. It's so funny how you stumble upon something like that, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just a nondescript place. Is like. Give those a try. They're phenomenal. I don't even remember why we ordered them. But they were good. They're excellent. They're regular now. I would just go there just to eat that, to be honest with you. Probably three times a week. If I lived right there in Hollywood, I'd be like, yeah. Yep. Three times a week. They'd know me by name. You'd be like Norm from Cheers when you walked in. And they would get my $9 every time. Barry, and they'd have they'd have them already ready for you. They'd right, <laughs> them over. Right, they'd be like, yeah, yep, here's your raspberry iced tea and uh, your Brussels sprouts, homie." Just to think, uh, Spearsy didn't even like the place. What's wrong with him? I sold my shirt, man. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to get more of those stories. There's things he sold of yours that come out over time. I can't believe you got a hundred bucks for that shirt. That's really the thing. <laughs> not that he was selling him selling the shirt is actually not surprising at all. But the fact he got a hundred bucks for that shirt, I mean, it was a nice shirt and all, but, but you know, he can talk is, you know, he's a salesman. He'd be great. 
So I can understand that. I I I get that. He's He's all pumped up over the Saratoga news, you know, the track's gonna be open and people are allowed to go in and it's it's funny. He's, he keeps telling people, me to, he's like, open invitation, you can stay at my house. People seem so gun shy about like getting excited about Saratoga, you know? Like they just keep expecting the, the other shoe to drop, like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna allow like twenty five thousand a day, and then Cornwall says, Nah, it's only gonna be six. And you gotta be like triple vaccinated and you have to (laughs) have one blue eye and one brown eye and size nine feet and smaller. I mean, it's it's funny, like people are like so paranoid that they're they're almost afraid to be happy that Saratoga is gonna be open to fans. The restrictions, man. (laughs) I I got a question though. Like so if if it says that you have to show proof that you have tested negative within 72 hours. Does that mean like if you go every three days, you got to get tested again? I don't think they thought about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't say, you know, like, all right, I've been tested within 72 hours. Does that mean I got to get right? You can you can only go unless yeah. you get tested every day for a week. Right, and, like you're good. So I'm good on Wednesday, but like uh, next Wednesday, I'm no good anymore. No bueno. I got to get another. Oh, they're they're thinking that most people will be vaccinated by that point. Roma's got sold, man. What? Yeah. When? This week? Uh, Yeah, last week they got sold. To whom? Just like another Italian deli from. no, there's another Roma's. There's a Roma's in Latham, too. Yeah, I know that one. That's the famous Latham OTB where the guy, like, complained about the DQ uh, and said the horse didn't do it, and that was when they didn't have uh, video. So <laughs> he heard on the call that the guy did the horse didn't do it. I remember. I was uh, never forget that. Oh, that horse didn't come over on that horse. How do you know? Oh, uh, I, I just I could hear it. On a, I, I heard hear it. announcer's voice. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget that, man. Yeah, we're almost got sold, but supposedly they're going to keep everything the same. Well, we'll see, right? Better. Yeah. Yeah, uproar. The only thing worse than that would be Hattie's changing up. Oh, Hattie's Hattie's a story. They even got Hattie's in a strip mall. Hattie's, Hattie's got the corner of the fried chicken market. I wish I had some right now. I'm so hungry. Now we're talking about food. It's just like Brussels sprouts, man. That's just like a couple, you know, a couple feet away. Uh, I wonder if they're going to open now. Yeah, they're open. Of course. They're Alvin's. It's Alvin's. I should call up and see if they'll deliver. They do. I already looked. <laughs> I love that. Oh, oh, yeah, they do. I already looked. <laughs> yeah. You deliver to the Daytona area. I was, I was trying to see if they had any any locations near me. I think it's a one-time deal. I think there's more than one. I think there's two, but it could two be one. We're going to have to come down there. As soon as uh, my son gets shipped out. When's he leaving? 
uh, June 17th, I believe. In the, in, in the Army? Navy. Navy. Got my uh, Navy dad t-shirt and everything. Nice. Now you get root for Navy in the Army, the Army Navy game. <laughs> that, that's easy to do. The, Maybe the middies. Gotta root for the, middies. the middies win most of the time. My horse, the Buck of Bad Hanover, beat Perfect Sting. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I can't get prices on my horses, man. They're, they're just murdering me. He was three to five. The other horse was undefeated. He was he, he was three to five against him. And, and and Saturday, I got so flustered by the, <laughs> the race one, the first race at the Meadowlands. I, I just got so I, I saw this horse, and the week before, I saw the guy drove him. He just like absolutely didn't let him run a step. And I'm thinking, man, that horse is all right. He comes in. He's in the first race at the Meadowlands. Like 20 minutes before Preakness is going off. He's nine to two morning line. And nobody picks him. Like none of those guys pick him. I'm like, this is perfect. Opens up six to five. <laughs> Somebody steady was trying. six to five. Steady six to five. Buried in all the numbers. Leave from the gate. Eighth of mile in the race. Three to five. Three to five. It seems like everybody knew it was a good thing, but the morning line maker. Everybody else, yeah, they got, none of the people picked them. None, none, nobody, nobody said anything. Not a word was muttered about that horse, and he still goes off three to five. Oh, I just, I mean, listen, it's good to be right, but it'd be nice once in a while to be right and be able to, to like profit off of it. You even got a stellar ride from Aki. I know. <laughs> I got Aki up the it's a great drive. <laughs> he drives me crazy. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing is, you know what I like betting on him? Because you know his odds are always higher than they should be because right. he's driving. And if everybody if, doubts his skill. Some uh, my friend said to me, he goes, you know, if they put the you know teacher kind of horse, I said, yeah, if they put teacher kind of horse, it'd be two to five. <laughs> well, Aki, he's three to one. <laughs> because, you know, it's Aki and there's no telling what he might do. But he rode, he drove that horse good too. The Meadowlands races have gotten really good. All the good horses are back. They've got all those Canadian horses down here from from Mohawk because you know, they've got nowhere to go. Uh, them, they're closed for another two months, right? Or something like that. Another month at least, I think. June second or June ninth or something. I, I don't I don't know what the hell's going on in Canada. Craziness. I mean, they did all this stuff already, and and racing was fine and no issues at all i mean they proved it it's not like a, a let us you know show you they've already shown them and uh no uh, didn't they're they cl- killing those guys at least the trotters it's a lot easier to send trotters out and have them race somewhere else they can adapt a lot easier and they can find classes a lot easier than uh than thoroughbreds it's it's tough especially thoroughbreds at woodbine a lot of them are, are ontario breads and they need to race in those races and a lot of them are better horses they're poly track horses um so you know there's arlington. there's one lady at the, from canada at arlington but she's you know you're going to go to arlington you're not going to run for very much money like i said arlington's racing 16 days a week or 16 races a week 16, <laughs> 16 days a week whoa hey i mean 16 days a a week that that's like a in the championship I meet mean, that's a Saturday at Gulfstream. <laughs> Pegasus Day, man. Yeah. Feet were cooked. 
<laughs> no, it was, it was Florida Derby Day. It was 14 races that day. My feet had enough. Like the little brown jug when they run a 20-pack. <laughs> Started at 8 a.m. It's always great. And the last race is like some Ohio race, like a $3,400 purse. They run the little brown jug. It's like an $800,000 purse in the next race. But, um, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's field size is going to suck. It's going to yeah. happen soon. You can just you can just feel it. You can just feel it. Like once Mammoth opens up, some of the Mid Atlantic tracks, and then then Colonial's going to open up. Yeah, it's just I don't know where the horses are going to come from. I just well, don't know where they're gonna come when's from. Laurel's supposed to be finished? Well, Laurel's not going to be finished until July. They're going to they're supposed to race at Pimlico, um, uh, till July first or thereabouts. Okay. Which is, you know, usually they've been racing in Pimlico for like two weeks, like twelve Week. days, like three weeks. Yeah. yeah, but but Laurel's track is a mess, and they were trying to uh, have some training on it and fix it at the same time, and it just became unworkable. And they have a terrible rat infestation. At Laurel, so Bowie, man, Just let Bowie go. Let him, let him run there. They um, well, they used to run at Bowie. Yeah, a long time ago. Bowie used to be like, the winter track, like the only winter track up in the Northeast that ran. Yeah. I remember reading the stories about guys taking a train from New York down to Bowie to bet on like an off day. But, uh, oh, remember the Keystone? They used to, was it at Parks? Keystone, yeah. They call it Keystone. I, I remember my grandfather ranting and raving on how bad Keystone was. It wasn't good. I used to have a Keystone jacket. Oh, uh, AC. The yeah, AC turf meet was the greatest. All turf. You know what's so funny was was everybody loved going to Atlantic City, even at the end, when the grandstand literally was condemned in some areas. <laughs> that's like that's falling like... apart. They had the TV sets from like the seventies that made the races look like they were being run on Mars. You know, they had <laughs> the that, like, ones, you know, the, the fat, big yeah, right, like the, like the, the TV tubes, you know, yeah. and uh, the zenith, um, and and it, you know, there was their, their, their uh, concession stand was basically like hot dogs and, and and canned soda, but everybody liked it because it was, and they get huge Simple. crowds, it'd be eight, nine, ten thousand people there, crazy, no infield tote board, no nothing. No, nothing. It, it was crazy, and I tell you, barn area. They you know had like a big barn, used a receiving barn. The rest of the barns, they were like exactly as they were left years ago. It's almost like Chernobyl. You walk back there and you see the old <laughs> racing forms in the in the offices. Everything's locked up, you know, but like haven't been touched for years and years and years. Like Pompeii, everything's a cast. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep, that's for sure. But they're all gone. Garden State. But, uh, yeah, because uh, Colonial only ran a couple days last year. So they had a, yeah, they had a, they had a boatload of money for their purses. Their purses are going to be really good. So once they start going, um, uh, then Maryland is, is going to be, uh, you know, it, it'll be tough for them. I don't know how many days they overlap, but 
I just don't know where all the horses are going to come from. And Mammoth is only going to run a couple of days a week. You know, I think they're going to go back to that Friday twilight where they run like five or six races. Oh, that was horrible. I'd rather them not. <laughs> not? Yeah. I, I mean, I get why they do it, but I hear you. I hear you. At least they scrap plans to, to race the Meadowlands. I, I just didn't understand that, really. I, I was kind of confused in that nobody really wants a bunch of cheap turf racing or dirt racing. I mean, the Meadowlands at the moment of the Meadowlands works when it's turf, but. I don't think people really want a bunch of cheap dirt races in November in, in the Meadowlands. Only if they run on Mondays, like they mm-hmm. used to. Monday night, seven thirty post. That was the best. Like brisk, you know, like late September, Octoberish, fall nighttime weather. Always a good time. I have to make a confession. No. I don't really care about hockey. I, 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 yeah. I feel like as a white person, like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm not like. You've been hanging out with me too long, man. I'll watch playoff. I have to I mean, I'll watch it. I'll, like, if it's I'll on, dabble. Like, dabble in playoff hockey. I, I don't get all like riled up over it. I don't even have like a favorite team. No, because you're a basketball guy. I rooted, I rooted for the Flyers when I lived, you know, South Jersey because, well, one, because I was a local team, and two, because everyone seemed to hate them. So I figured, well, I'll root for them because everybody, <laughs> them. everybody hates them. Yeah, but you're a Hooper. You're you're Knicks. I'll tell you one thing, though. though we went to a, a playoff game when they were playing the Penguins, <laughs> and it was like a 3 o'clock start on a Sunday. So everybody was, like, extra liquored up. <laughs> and that was the game they they got in like fifteen fights. Oh, that must have been fantastic. And I remember my ex wife they were screaming, Crosby sucks, you know, and she's like, Who's Crosby? I see he plays for the you know, for Pittsburgh. Does he really suck? I said, No, he's really good. Then why do they say he sucks? I said, because I don't like him. <laughs> oh, okay. But he's he's good though. I said, Yeah, he's really good. That's why they don't like him. It was kind of it was, was kind of close to anarchy in that place. It was a guy had one of those um, those blue Pittsburgh, you know. I think it was from the like the when they played on New Year's Day or whatever when that was a big thing, and, and uh, the guy was like running down the concourse getting chased, <laughs> got in a fight or something. But man, that was that was a crazy crazy game. Like live so, hockey, it's like it's 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 so much different. Yeah, it's. Just- it's fast. Yeah. But, like, for me, I mean, you know, I don't know. I guess I don't even have a favorite team. I don't even know who to root for. Who do we root against? Root for Tampa Bay, dude. I hate the root for Tampa Bay in anything. Even the Tampa Bay Raptors? Come on, man. Yeah, I rooted for them a little bit. But, they, you know, they had... They had a bad COVID stretch. Yeah, that... <laughs> They lost their whole and city. They, they lost a whole <laughs> they team. They got booted from their city, man. They got they lost the country. Yeah. Been on the road. To, I think all our games were on the road this year. What was no it? Mar- they didn't do so good. Is it March or April? They they only won one game. Yeah. Well, they they seem like they kind of went into a little bit of a slowdown too. Started yeah. playing the younger guys. Well, well Matt no, Scott Flynn. Matt yeah, Scott COVID. Flynn, he, they, they were all on COVID. COVID time. Deal. 
I think it was fake COVID. They were all on the beach. That's what Nick Nurse was saying. Fake but who's a stiff get a good to get a better draft pick this year? You know, all their games have been on the road. They played they played all road games this year. Well, they got rid of their best player, Powell. Yeah. Norm Norm got traded to Portland. Though the kid that came that got the the Shack of the Max kid, he played good. Trent. Yeah, he was all right. He can shoot. He makes no money. That, that matters. Yeah, when you move your operation from Canada to Florida, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're selling about our man the hooves. Matt, he, he used to go to the games. Yeah. He said, 25 bucks, sit wherever you want. <laughs> it's the best deal they ever had. Shit, I might need to take that drive. But, um, Playing game will be interesting. Yeah, Lakers by fifty. Love to see Curry beat him. No way, dude. You know, I don't like the Lakers. I don't have to like the Lakers. I don't like the Lakers fans. My brother's a Lakers fan. As it should be. I don't. I don't like those stupid yellow uniforms. I don't like Mitch Kupchak. <laughs> I don't like Dennis Schroeder. I don't like his hair. Come on, Anthony Davis got the the unibrow. Why you don't hate on the whole squad like the that? White Mamba. I don't like. I don't like the White Mamba. Oh man, you're just blaspheming the whole scene. You're gonna be Stephen A. Smith of horse racing. I am. LeBron's crying. <laughs> oh, we gotta play the play. <laughs> well, maybe if you hadn't, you guys hadn't missed so many games. COVID protocols, I tell you. COVID. You had COVID ankles. <laughs> They should have signed Jay Cole. That's what they should have done. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they should have signed you before they signed him. He's better than Contavious Caldwell Pope. Oh, that they're close. I'm against the Lakers. I'm for the Trailblazers. Dame nah, I'm, I'm 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 rooting for the Sixers, even though I know they're not going to win. I just want them to beat the Nets. That would be fine for me if that's my championship. Some guy on Facebook was giving me a hard time when I'm I... still fading the Nets, man. I I think the Nets are gonna. I think that is good. That they're just not gonna handle. When the going gets tough for that team, I think they might fold under pressure. I might. They might. They might fold under pressure. Three head cases, bro. Like serious head cases. <laughs> It'll be great, though. That game, the Warriors Lakers, that's going to be a war. It's going to be crazy. Everybody going to watch that game. I mean, that's what they got. You know, Adam Silver is so happy. Pumped. So happy that it. He didn't wind up with like Memphis and and like uh, Sacramento. Hey, don't say that too loud. Ken Rudolph gonna be calling me. Even Ken's gotta admit, man, they didn't make it again, and they're bringing Luke Walton back, and Luke's my man. I know, I saw that. Well, you'd think he might want to like you know try something new. I mean, but who's out there like? I don't know anybody else. Derek Fisher? Jeff? No, Derek Fisher sucks. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy. 
Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes. No. What's his name? <laughs> Kwame Brown ain't got nothing for Matt. <laughs> Matt Barnes. What were you calling him? About hair? Becky with the good hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was the greatest. That, that had me entertained all morning. <laughs> Kwame Brown, man. This guy, he finally, he's finally brought it. It took him 20 years, but he finally brought it. Becky with the good hair. <laughs> Gilbert. Yeah. Gilbert stepped out of that. He said that he, he knows how, you know, he said he wants his face the way it is, so he's not going to mess with him anymore. Yeah. He's selling out for the white guys, the white people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Had me entertained all morning. Uh, that was something. Watch it a few times. Some, Sometimes you stumble across stuff on Twitter and you just. You Pure gold. The guy from the Ikea thing a couple weeks ago. <laughs> My wife watches that like twice a day, man. <laughs> just loves that thing. <laughs> it's, it's like it never gets old. It never gets old. Well, try to leave on a, on a good note. Enough bad shit's happening in <laughs> the world. And Leave it on a positive note. No on. pun intended. <laughs> and he's my boy and all, but we're coming for you, Trey Young. Oh, we're coming, yeah. brother. No. I want Randall to drop 50. He's destroyed Atlanta this year. Yes. 38 a game against him. He is That's good. what I said. He's going to drop 50. Alfred Payton's a worry, though. Yeah, right. He's a worry. He's played like Walter Payton. <laughs> Walter Payton's been dead yeah. for 20 years. Peyton Manning. Yeah, he moves like Peyton Manning. No, he's been terrible lately. I don't get it. I don't understand why he keeps starting him. But... Listen, they made it, and I'm happy, and that's all there is to it. Yes, sir. So. So that's that. And uh, like I said, tomorrow we have uh, Dean Reeves on. Uh, Mr. Reeves, is, he's got a lot of strong opinions, and, and I, I like that. That's what we want. You know? we I'm want interested people. to hear. We want opinions. We don't want. No, that's bullshit. No one wants to hear that crap. So I'll have him on tomorrow. And. Uh, Got to look at uh, for our man, our Canterbury man. Got to check Paul out. Allen. Got to check it out tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Thoughts and buyers. He's he's, he's asked for us for for. Oh, Pete. Yeah. He wants us to check out. I don't know why he want my picks. <laughs> I guess maybe he wants to do the let it ride. And see what I like. Paul. <laughs> Cross it out. Yep. <laughs> Can't say that I ever remember making a winning bet at Canterbury. I can't say I remember making a whole lot of bets. But it's got a low takeout pick four that that's decent to play. Hit a few last year. Dean Butler still ride there? Yes, sir. I went to school with Dean Butler's sister. <laughs> random. Random <laughs> random racing trivia. <laughs> what jockey did Chuck go to school with? Deidre Butler. She was nice. She was nicer than him. <laughs> I 
Dean, Dean actually started out with Jack Vanberg. Wow. Yeah. He's older than you think. Canterbury. What's his name will be there, right? Richard Grunder. Is he going? Is he, is he got a, I wonder if he's got his book this year. I don't know. He was a sub, right? He was a. Oh, he, he was a he, he was an agent, you know. For years, he would go there and right and be a jock agent, and then he would um, he would go to uh, Tampa and, and call the races. So, so we'll see. We shall see. Well, it's late. We got to put the show on the road. We got I got people texting me already. Where's the show? Okay, that's good. That's a good thing. So, Keep on the hook. Gotta put it on. And I know you're not supposed to eat late, but if I don't eat, I'm gonna wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and stay right. be hungrier. I'm so hungry. And I got a busy day tomorrow too. Shit. <laughs> oh man. Well, thanks for everyone for listening. If you don't agree, drop us a line, going in circles podcast at gmail.com. If you agree, drop us a line, going in circles podcast at gmail. If you just want to harass us, just going in circles podcast at gmail. If you have to say anything at all, going in circles podcast at gmail. Barry, have anything to add? No, sir. Let's go next. See how it goes, man. Might be in a whole different, whole different zone next next month, next Monday. But I'm happy. I'm happy. I like the NBA playoffs. I don't care if people don't like it. I like it. I know you like it. Oh yeah, I love it. I know Jay Bidas. He likes it. Might only be us three, but yeah, what the hell. Who else matters? All right. We'll talk to you uh, later. And I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in and listening to our rambling for quite a long time. <laughs> so, if you got this far, you love racing more than the establishment does. See you tomorrow.